Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. So today I'm speaking with Ryan about his trilogy that he's written about time travel in a YA genre and his middle-aged book that addresses taking stories from a grandfather and turning into a fantasy. Well, to say the least, it's a new take on a whole condition that I've never heard before and I really found it interesting listening to Ryan talk to me about them. So with that, I hope you enjoy the show. Ryan was fun to talk with, very easy to discuss his book with, which I think you'll be able to tell that Ryan is a very honest and open person on those topics. He was enjoyable to talk with, and I look forward to having him back on. So now, before we get into the show and the interview I had with Ryan, I'd like to remind you, as I always do, go to authorblurb.com. There, you'll be able to find all the other shows, find the authors that's been on the show, find the authors that are going to be on the show. There's a list of stuff that I have been putting on this website for you that I hope keeps you entertained and keeps you just waiting for more. The whole show is meant to attach readers and authors together so you find that book, that author that you just fall in love with. So with that being said, hopefully Ryan is one of these authors that you just can't get enough of and you enjoy his books, you enjoy the conversation, most of all, you enjoy the show and all that I'm doing. So thank you and I'll talk to you after the show. So I am here with Ryan Dalton and we're here to discuss his series that's a sci-fi kind of, it's an interesting book. Instead of me going through and... As we know, it's much easier for the authors to describe themselves, their books, in a bit. So, Ryan, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here. If you could, could you tell people a bit about yourself and a little bit about your books, and then we can talk more about things? Sure, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, so, yeah, I started out with a series of time travel mysteries. Those were young adults. And, uh, yeah, I wrote uh, yeah, three of those came out. And uh, those were a blast. Those were, man, they were, they included a lot of things I love just about books and stories. And I was always a sci-fi geek growing up. Uh, and then I just put out uh, a new one this year that is a completely different type of story. Very, It's much, very much a departure uh, from what I had done before. This one is middle grade, so it's a, it's a little bit younger. And it's contemporary with a little dash of fantasy. And it deals with a young boy who uses storytelling and shared fantasies to uh, try to save his grandfather's memories from Alzheimer's. Uh, so pretty much <laughs> as different as you can get from the uh, kind of the time travel adventures I had done before. Uh, but yeah, that, that one's the one that just came out in February. And then the, and the trilogy was done a few years back. All right. Now, if I understand it right, the, the one about the grandfather, he has Alzheimer's or something along those lines that's deteriorating his memory and the kid is trying to bring back some of the memories to his grandfather and using some of his prior memories to build off of those stories. Was that correct, or am I getting that a little mixed up? No, no, you're close. Uh, so a big part of the story, kind of the, one of the fixtures in it, is this book. It's a journal that uh, the grandfather has kept, and it's like almost kind of a therapy. So it's like it was basically prescribed to him that he would have this journal where he would write about lots of past experiences you know good stuff bad stuff you know anything that um 
was relevant to help him work through things. He'd, you know, he was a soldier, he was in a war and uh, he'd been a firefighter for years. And so it was uh, a good way for him to work through things in his past, but also to remember, um, you know, really good things and really good memories. Uh, and so when he gets this Alzheimer's diagnosis and his memories start to fade, the uh, the boy, Archie, uh, is, he takes the journal and he uh, there, there's certain things he he's agreed he can read and other things that he's made a deal that he wouldn't read because he just doesn't want him burdened with the memories. But uh, he takes the memories, some of the memories of what he is able to read, and he uses elements of those memories and kind of transmutes them into these fantasy stories and these these shared fantasies that they would play out together. Uh, so he would take little elements of those memories and kind of train and uh, use them to inform these uh, worlds that they would create. Okay. And what kind of fantasy world is it that they're creating? Is it like a Tolkien type of fantasy? Is it more of a modern day fantasy? What would you actually say the that they're use that he's putting the grandfather's memories into? He paints with a really broad stroke, <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> but you know that's one of the advantages of it being you know it's make believe it's play pretend so they can do anything right. they want. Um, so some of the ones that we end up spending the most time inside of are you know fairly typical fantasy dragons and pirates and and uh, you know swords and armor and and that kind of thing. So we probably spend the most time getting to know those worlds that they create because some of the biggest events happen in those worlds uh but they also do tons of other things that just don't have as much kind of time on the page but they all get shout outs like they do things that are um i mean superhero stuff they do uh space adventures they do um there's one that you get a kind of a glimpse of that i sort of based on uh, like the green hornet and kato that that type of uh, adventure right. um so yeah it's it's really there were no limits it's just whatever um, I thought would be fun to include and whatever I thought would work for the particulars. All right. Now, this is a very interesting storyline to me. So what made you decide to go with this route? Was there something that clicked in you or something that made you say, this is a great idea for a story? Or what was it actually that did it? Yeah, it was a little bit of a journey to getting there. My uh, mother's father, so my grandfather, um, uh, died from uh, Alzheimer's complication uh, in... Um, right around the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. Um, but he'd been dealing with it, you know, for a number of years up until that, which my, my family had been dealing with it. And my mother, who has always been, you know, a very, very big supporter of my writing, she's a really good mix of supportive, but also really honest. Um, she, had, you know, enjoyed the trilogy and everything I had done before. But one of the things she had noticed in in my work that is is very true is that as much as I love, you know, the the sci-fi stuff and the action and the kind of larger than life bombastic stuff. Mm -hmm. My favorite scenes to write almost always end up being quieter scenes, characters, you know, group dynamics, dialogue. Um, those are always seem to be the ones that like, I really like revel in writing. Um, and she saw that uh, as those books were coming out and at, at the same time, kind of towards the end of that series, all this was happening with my grandfather and um, she kind of gently brought up, you know, this is like a really fertile storyline here, you know, a family dealing with Alzheimer's um, that isn't really talked about that much or hasn't been up until that point in children's literature. And um, she said she thought, you know, the what I can do with the characters and, and all those interactions that I really like doing, she thought 
would really lend itself to that kind of story. I, um, I rejected it out of hand immediately. I, I was like, that's, that's not the kind of writer I am. I didn't want to write anything that was just depressing because at right. that point, all I could see was men that would just be a slog. Um, mm-hmm. but she would bring it up occasionally. And so it stuck in my brain for, I'd say at least a year, a solid year, at least maybe two. Um, and I would come back to it and just kind of noodle with it and think, okay, well, you know, if I was going to do it, how would I do it? And, and just kind of would toy around with it. Not thinking I would ever do it. It was more just like a thought exercise. Right. Um, but then there came a point where I came up with, with thought of two things fairly close to each other that kind of made it real for me. It was that angle of the boy, Archie, using those stories, using the shared fantasy. And when I thought of that, I, I, I felt, you know, that feels more like something I would write. Um, so there, there's an, a different angle on it than just them dealing with something that sucks. You know, it's, right. it's you know, it's, it's, it would be more hopeful. It would be characters that are really, you know, trying to do something. Uh, and then shortly after that, I ended up getting this line that popped into my head that became the first line of the, and when I thought of those two things, it, it was pretty much over. <laughs> and I thought, okay, <laughs> well, I got to write this now. And so I was off and running at that point. Well, that's good to hear then. So. It sounds like it was a well-thought-out story. It sounds like it's an interesting story. Who did you write this for in the sense of, is it more, I guess the new term I'm hearing is new adults? Is it, I think you told put in the information you've given me as a young adult, what groups do you see really getting into this storylines? This uh, The classification for this book is technically middle grade. Um, All right. Which, and, you know, kind of more of an upper middle grade. So preteens or early teens, you know, 10 to 14. Uh, but pretty much all of my books end up, they're, they're basically what is called crossover books, where there's a certain age range that it's designed for, but a, a, any age range could get into it, really. Um, because it's just the way I write the voice and everything. It should be accessible to just about any age, anyone over 10, I'd say, maybe 9 or 10, depending on, on their reading level. Even above that, you know, I've had adults read it and, and I've had kids read it. And um, the the common theme is uh, I've really been blown away at how many people have read the book that said their family had also dealt with something similar, either Alzheimer's or dementia or some other type of debilitating illness or things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there have been a surprising amount of people that have been able to relate to it on a personal level. And um, then there are those who you know haven't had it in their family, but everybody knows somebody. <laughs> so... Right. Uh, they said it really, you know, kind of gave them into a, a glimpse uh, into what it could be like. So, um, yeah, it's for, it was technically for like middle school age ish, but um, you know anybody could read it. Okay, so now what, let's move on to your time travel trilogy that you have. So, what got you started there? So, I have to imagine, and if anyone's watching the video version of this, I see a Doctor Who TARDIS on your shelf in the background. <laughs> Yep. So obviously, time travel is something that you do enjoy watching as well. Was that part of your interest that started it? What was it that got you started in the time travel area? So yeah, I was well. I was always a, a sci-fi fan uh, ever right. since I was a kid. Um, so that was kind of the, one of the seeds. Um, and, and yeah, I you know it's funny. I, I didn't set out immediately with the Year of Lightning was the first book in that series. Um, I didn't set out from the day one to say, hey, I'm going to write a time travel story. Um, it kind of ended up that way through the development. 
Um, but I, you know, I do like time travel stories. So I ended up being, uh, I ended up having a lot to pull from. The funny thing is I actually didn't know much about Dr. Who until after I started writing that series. Um, okay. So, uh, and it was some friends that were like, you would probably really like, they'd read the first book and they were like, right. you'd probably really like this series. Um, even though they're very different, but you know, so I drew mainly from like, like, uh, back to the future, um, and, and things like that. In fact, there's a couple of little Back to the Future shout-out Easter eggs in these books that right. uh, eagle-eyed fans would be able to spot. Um, so that angle came about. I started out with basically just a picture in my head of something that really like grabbed my attention, uh, and it was of a, a creepy old house with no doors. So I pictured like essentially a couple of teens walking by a house with no doors, but then they look up, and in the singular window on the front of the house, there's somebody in there who's staring down at them. Um, All right. And I I thought that was kind of a creepy image. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen anything like that before. And it just got me asking questions. And uh, I started to think, okay, well, I mean, like, who is that in the house? And why are they there? And what's the purpose of this house with no doors? And um, So I just started asking questions. And as I, for fun, would answer them for myself, it would lead to more questions. And then it became, okay, well what kind of world does this exist in where this kind of stuff is possible? And these characters that I saw in front of the house, what kind of people would they have to be to stick their noses in this thing that's happening? And it ended up just through answering these questions, expanding in to include uh, these unnatural lightning storms and, and time travel and a, a villain made of shadows. And um, yeah, this really fun, big cast of characters. And so that was really the seed of it. Just that picture and in asking myself the questions about what would make these things possible, then time travel was one of the elements that came up that I thought, you know, if I fold that in, it really opens up some possibilities. Right. Um, and boy, I'm, I'm glad that I settled on that because it ended up opening up this whole universe that I expand on in books two and three. And uh, it just became this really fun uh, way to approach time travel and time manipulation in a way I hadn't. All right. So help me understand what is the gist of the be- Let's start with the first book. When if I open up the book, what am I jumping into at the beginning of your first of the three? Gotcha. So you've got these uh, teenage twins, a boy and a girl, who live um, in this you know smallish town uh, with their their dad and their and their grandmother. Um, and they actually in the first chapter realize that they are living essentially across the street from this house with no doors, but they've never noticed it. And they've they've lived there, and no no one's that they've ever talked to has ever noticed that there was even a house there. Um, so the first question is, well, why have we never noticed this this right. like giant three story doorless monstrosity uh, across the street? Uh, and so that's kind of the first mystery that that's introduced. Um, and basically, what ends up happening is, you know, they're fairly uh, new to town, but they've been there plenty of times, and so they're saying, okay, well, we should have noticed this before. Um, but then the growing cast of characters that we're introduced to, um, as they're getting to know each other, these lightning storms that are happening in town and have been happening for almost the past year are slowly getting worse and worse and more and more dangerous. Uh, and then there are some things that are happening with the lightning that make it seem as if it is not natural lightning. Uh, and th- there's ways it behaves that just kind of defy what you, you would know about lightning. Um, and then there comes a, a point where they end up observing something that demonstrates that there is something going on inside that house that is resulting in or controlling or somehow 
connected to these lightning storms. And these storms keep getting worse and more and more dangerous and more threatening. So because they're essentially the only ones who even notice this house is here, they decide to try to essentially stick their noses in it and figure out what's going on with this house uh, and to see if they can get it to stop what it's doing with the lightning and see. Okay. So with the time travel, because you said that the first book starts off with time travel and then it opens it up into the second and third book as well. Is that something that is like a, I guess you could call it a superpower. Is there a machine of sorts or what is it that stems the type of time travel that's being done? A uh, little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, so <laughs> The first book is uh, very squarely in the time travel by gadgetry and machinery camp. All right. Um, and you find there are specific reasons why these things are happening inside the house. Um, and the first book is fairly self-contained as far as everything happens in this town, you know, mostly on these couple of streets. Um, it's epic things that are happening, but it's essentially right under the noses of people in this town. Um, mm -hmm. And then... At the, by the end of book one, uh, I have introduced more knowledge about how time works in the universe uh, and how time manipulation works. And that leads the way essentially towards expanding the whole universe of the story and showing, hey, there are people that can manipulate time with machinery, but there are also people who can have an organic component in time manipulation. Like there's people that have the ability to do things with it themselves, sometimes in tandem with machinery, uh, but sometimes not. And then uh, as those ideas are introduced, starting in book two, we start to expand beyond into more areas of it, like more parts of the timeline. Like, right. Uh, book two introduces you to essentially this kingdom that's hidden in this, like a time pocket, essentially. Uh, and the reasons that they're doing that and kind of their mission. And um, yeah, it goes, it goes into the whole, like by book three, we're, we're talking about protecting the integrity of the whole timeline and, and everything. So it starts out in a town and ends up affecting essentially the universe and the whole timeline by the end of the series. Okay. So what is it that drew you to the time travel tidbit? Was it just an accidental stump stumbling onto it? Cause you said it was one of the things that answered a question. Mm -hmm. I've like one of my favorite books. I have a list of favorite books, obviously. And one of them is, H.G. Wells' time travel. And with that, it's the, I've always loved the theory of time travel and the different abilities. Was that part of what drew you to use time travel or what was it? Yeah, I've always, there's something in me that's always loved time travel stories. And I've always liked seeing different takes on time travel, like, like you know, different methods and approaches. And, you know, time travel essentially is like a magic system. You know, it's right. like any fantasy book that you're going to read. And they have set up their magic system and the rules for that magic system. But between different series, you could have completely different magic systems and they can be, you know, equally compelling and interesting, uh, even being different. And I've always liked time travel stories. And then when I decided to do one, I saw that I had an opportunity to do something I hadn't seen before, just make something up that I thought would be really fun and interesting. Um, essentially, you, you end up coming to discovering in, in their universe that time is essentially the energy that keeps the universe moving forward. Uh, mm -hmm. And that and that energy, it's not just a matter of traveling back and forth across it, which you, you can do, but it's there are also ways to harness and channel that energy itself. 
Um, and you know, I, I was really fun developing the whole system. Part of the, uh, things I would ask, like when I would give the books to beta readers, I would tell them, look, in addition to just whatever else you want to, uh, tell me about your observations, I want you to try to break my time travels, try to find holes in it, try to find kind of kinks in the armor. And that was super helpful because it, by the end of it, I, I really felt like I had built a fairly bulletproof time travel system. <laughs> I feel like I had reasons for everything, for the way it all worked. So that part was fun. And then, you know, that opens story possibilities because limitations are a good thing. Because when your characters are learning what they can and can't do, that's going to channel them in certain ways in the story. But then when they also figure out ways that they're not breaking the rules, but maybe they can take a rule that is that is uh, unbreakable, but figure out a way to bend it a little bit in a way right. that no one else has done before. You know, it's a, it was just a great opportunity to have some fun with creating the system and then playing with it and seeing what I could do with it. All right. Now, do you use historical facts and historical events in your book, or is this a completely alternative past history and future that you're working with? Uh, I do use some historical touchstones, yes. Um, you know, we don't spend a lot of time on those because it's not like traveling into the past, like to experience those things is not really, really the point of the series. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a few events and there are a few historical places that either get briefly visited or have some reference in, in the story. Uh, yeah, there are some, without giving too much away, there are some historical figures. There's one or two that do end up having uh, at least a... Uh, you know, some at least being some sort of element and subplot. Okay. So are you planning on expanding on this trilogy, making it four books, increasing the series, or do you have plans for other books coming up? That series, you never know. It's something I might re revisit at some point. Um, I, I do have an idea for a spinoff trilogy. <laughs> uh, who knows if I'll ever do it. There's, there's, you end up meeting a um, in book two, uh, this group called the Ember Guard. That are essentially mm -hmm. they're sort of like um, they're sort of like if knights were time cops a little bit. Right. Um, and by the end of the of the whole trilogy, the way they end up doing things very drastically changes. Uh, and so I had I I had a you know it's still in my back pocket somewhere an idea for a whole trilogy following the the Ember Guard uh, and a particular side character from the first series essentially. Um, you never know. <laughs> uh, I've, it's been a while. I've since moved on to a lot of other things. Uh, that's one of those things we'll, you know, we'll see for the future. But I'm always working on something. And for the foreseeable future, uh, I'm actually working on a lot more um, middle grade stuff. Um, okay. So time, the Time Shift Trilogy was YA. Um, after writing This Last Adventure, I've really come to enjoy writing uh, middle grade. Um, not necessarily what I'll, what I'll write forever, but I'm, I'm really liking it. I wrote during the pandemic, I wrote a, um, uh, another, uh, another middle grade, which is mm -hmm. completely different from, from, uh, the one that's out now, uh, sort of urban fantasy ish a little bit. Um, All right. And we're shopping that around now. Uh, and then actually I spent the first six months, five or six months of this year, just kind of noodling on another idea. And uh, doing some outlining and putting it together, and uh, actually just within the last couple of weeks, I've started uh, drafting this next book, which is again, it's another standalone. It's completely separate thing. Um, it's a contemporary with again, I would say with a little dash of fantasy, but not in nearly the same way as this last adventure. Completely different approach. Um, 
And so, yeah, that's what I'm working on now. I've got plans for the next three or four books after that, probably. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my agent sometimes has to tell me to take a break. She's like, well, just stop <laughs> writing. Stop writing for a while and recharge. <laughs> I understand. I interviewed a guy and talked with him that has, uh, let's just say he has more books than I could count. And literally we're planning on having him back on just because he was has so many books we could, couldn't even talk about it, a fraction wow. of them. So he's a a um, crime writer and just so when you talk about constantly writing that puts me in the mind of him because I try to write and I'll admit I have three books on myself I'm trying to find time to write another but it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to write these books so what actually got you into starting to write I mean because one thing like I've discussed with other people one of the big things that happens that I've noticed is once you put out the first book, either one of two things happen. One, if you finish the first book, then you're excited. Then you move on to the editing process and all the other stuff, which then makes it a very tedious, stressful kind of, it's not most people's cup of tea. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I know I, I know I can honestly say I hate editing just because of so many reasons, but what made you decide to write it then once after you got that first book out say you know i want to keep going i want to keep writing more uh yeah it's a great question um yeah and it's funny a lot of people who aren't writers and it's just this is just not their thing writing they like my dad told me he said i don't i don't understand how you can rewrite a book 10 times before it's out you know <laughs> in the world it you know not that an, an entity route isn't really you know it's not rewriting but uh um, right. i told i told him well you got to love it and if you don't love it, you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I was always a book nerd. Um, and it's one of those things I, I hear, like I listen to a lot of uh, sketch and stand-up comedy, and I hear a lot of those guys talk about, you know, just from a kid, they knew like the first time they ever stepped on the stage, it was like, it felt so natural. I was like, oh yeah, of course, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I was such a book lover that once I realized that actual real people are the ones who like wrote the books that I loved, Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a question for me. It was just, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. Um, I remember saying that as a young kid, I mean, like seven, eight years old to people that I was going to write books and they would laugh. And I remember being confused about why they were laughing, because even at that age, I was like, no, I mean it. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Now, life stuff happened for a while. And so I didn't end up you know, writing my legit writing my first novel and finishing it until my later. Um, but it was always something that I loved. Uh, and something that I would do as a hobby. But then when I was in my yeah, mid to late 20s, I was doing you know corporate work and things, and it just wasn't satisfying. Right. Um, and I knew then, I was like, okay, there's no way I'm doing this the rest of my life. So I started looking at, I, I took a long, hard look at like, okay, what do I like and what am I good at? And what do I think I could do? And um, and then it was, it was the first answer was the only answer. It was like, you know, I love writing in books and I always said I was going to do it. So why won't, why don't I just do it? And so sounds like a smart choice. Yeah. You know, and I took the next couple of years cause I wasn't ready at that point. I, you know, I was still a hobby writer. I took right. the next couple of years and worked just endlessly on the craft. Um, mm-hmm. just writing everything I could uh, nonstop. And over those couple of years, I felt like I really, uh, because I was doing it with the intent of getting my skills up. I feel like it really helped a lot. And then after that, I said, once I felt like I was ready, that's when I went to my idea book essentially. And, and was like, okay, well, what's, what do I want to do for the first one? And 
the idea that stuck out to me the most was that core idea for the year of lightning. And uh, so I picked that and that took me two years to write and two years to edit and then sell. Uh, so it was four years kind of from start to finish. And then when I sold it, I ended up selling it to a publisher who um, liked the first book enough that they asked, they said, what, do you know what you want to do for the, like the second and third one? Um, and I told them, yeah, I've got a pretty good idea. And so they said, look, just give us a general outline for those two. And then we're just going to go ahead and buy the whole thing. Oh, um, nice. So, yeah, uh, I felt very fortunate because it's very rare for a first-time sale uh, mm-hmm. for an author to be a trilogy. Um, so I went in knowing that I was going to get to write all three, which was hugely liberating because it meant I could plan the whole trilogy arc knowing that all three books were going to go out. Um, and, you know, it was tons of work. I ran myself ragged because I was still working a corporate job at the same time while I was writing those at night. And, um, but you know, now I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a writer <laughs> and oh, it was all, all, all the work was worth it. Well, congratulations on that. I know, I know a lot of people, me included, still have that nine to five day job while writing and doing other things. So to be able to be a full-time writer is a heck of an accomplishment in itself. So congratulations to that. Thank you. So you followed your dream. You got there. I'll say I'm quite impressed and happy for you on that front. Yeah, I appreciate that. So with that being said, so you have more books that people's going to keep an eye out for you that you at least are working on getting out there. Is there anything that you can give a kind of a sneak preview to or a hint at? for people that are listening that want to know more about you? Well, I mean, I have these four books out. Those are, those are the ones that, that you could get. And then, right. you know, publishing is a very slow business. And, oh yeah. Uh, so this one that I wrote during the pandemic that we're shopping around, it's the kind of thing. It's like, uh, there's interest, but who knows? <laughs> and, right. uh, and this one that I'm writing right now, um, I would think is, Although it's a completely different story, and uh, I, I think tonally it's a, it'll probably be a decent companion piece for this last adventure, the book that just came out. Um, All right. It's um, so you know it just it, again it's like there's there's no guarantees in this business, <laughs> right? Um, but I've got other things that I'm working on as well, and I've got um, uh, you know some fun other events lined up, like um, right on right on con. That's the online writing convention. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, I've been a, a teacher and a presenter there for a number of years. And so, uh, I've got a couple of things coming up with that. That's happening in July. Um, and then in addition to writing this next book, um, uh, starting in the fall semester, you know, I'll be doing book or, uh, like book and author visits at schools and things to talk about the book and talk about writing with students. Um, so for me, it's, uh, yeah, part of the job is doing the writing and then part of the job is, uh, because, you know, it's children's books, you know, talking to kids about it and meeting teachers and librarians and things. And that's fun, too, because you're not just because it means the job isn't just sitting at your desk and uh, and writing. You get to actually get out there and talk about it. Oh, yeah, because just staring at a comp- screen all day could definitely be kind of an exhausting. And I guess the best way of saying it is can take a lot out of you if you're not interacting with other people every now and then. True. So, well, with that being said, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you coming on. So other than authorblurb.com, where I have all your information, your profile, and things for people to find you at, where else do you or where do you prefer people to find you to find more information about you, to keep tabs, and what so have you? 
Yeah, so um, the information about my books and about my appearances and things like that, uh, it's on ryandaltonwrites.com. That's my website. Uh, they can find me at iryandalton on Twitter. Uh, Instagram's just ryandalton. Um, I'm fairly active, so uh, just yeah, feel free to reach out if anyone has questions about if anyone has questions about um, uh, my books or writing in general or, or things. You know, like I said, I'm pretty accessible, so um, my even my email address I think is on my website. So uh, yeah, just uh, feel free to reach out. And my uh, my books are out there. You know, for uh, pretty much anywhere you like to buy books, uh, especially uh, this last adventure, which is the one that just uh, came out in February. That's um, available at your favorite bookstore. If it's not on the shelf, uh, immediately they'll be able to order it for you. Same with libraries. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Sounds perfect. So I do appreciate you being on. Again, thank you very much. This is going to be the end of the conversation for everybody else that's listening. If you can hold on for me just for a moment, I'll end the recording, and then we'll talk a little more afterwards. Will do. So that was our interview. That was the conversation, and as always... I enjoy my conversations that I have with these authors. Ryan is no exclusion to this. I look forward to hopefully talking with him again soon. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Again, authorblurb.com. That is where you can go and see all the information about Ryan, about other guests that's been on or that are coming on. You can find all sorts of information there, including articles that some of the authors have written. So I hope you go there. I hope you find it. Also, I hope you take the time to either rate, review, email me, let me know what you like, what you don't like, and tell people about the show. Let people know that you like this and help grow the show and be one of those people that gets to suggest a great podcast for others to enjoy. So thank you again. And I look forward to having you with me on the next interview. I hope you enjoy all the authors just as I enjoy talking with them. Thank you.